This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joy 94.9 presents Absolutely Everybody. Sponsored by and presented by Anecto, the People Network. Absolutely everybody, only on Joy 94.9. Today we'll be looking at the changing face of aged care within, with respect to the LGBTI community. With the release of the first national LGBTI ageing and aged care strategy back in 2012, the strategy produced a number of goals, including the need for training Australian aged, 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 aged care uh, workforce in the uh, LGBTI inclusive uh, practices. Austra- the Australian Department of Health and Ageing have provided funding for the National LGBTI Health in- Alliance to coordinate a national training project in LGBTI awareness for the aged care sector. Transgender Victoria is one of the two organisations that had been awarded a contract to undertake LGBTI aged care awareness training across, Austra- uh, across Victoria. TGV TGV is supporting the implementation of the project in the state of Victoria and will deliver uh, workshops using the training materials which have been uh, prepared by ACON. Joining us today live in the studio is Brenda Appleton from Transgender Victoria. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, TGV and how TGV became involved in the training scheme? Um, Very happily. TGV was set up um, about 16 years ago in the late 1990s, and we're dedicated to achieving justice, equity and quality health and community services for trans and gender diverse people, their partners, family and friends. We've been involved with doing Trans 101 training for many years, and um, there's certainly been an increased demand for that in recent times. We were delighted at the opportunity to become involved with this aged care training and the LGBTI Health Alliance in Sydney appointed agencies in each state and territory to deliver the training which ACON had prepared. There are two organisations in Victoria doing the training, Transgender Victoria and Gay and Lesbian Health Victoria, GLHV. And we're both doing the same training package and we're both covering the whole of Victoria. So the uh, rollout of the whole pro- uh, the project started, what, 12 months ago, and we're somewhere near the midway point now? So the main funding's covering the two-year period from uh, up to June of next year, so June 2016. Um, TGV did its first training session in May of last year, so we're spreading it over, what, um, 26 months. We are more than halfway through our training sessions, and um, we are disappointed that there is no ongoing training being announced by the federal government after the um, after June of next year. So, how's have you had much of an uptake with all the organisations, or is it something that's been a little bit lax at the moment? Um, the uptake's been absolutely fantastic. 
Um, we're planning to do about 40 sessions over the two-year period. Um, we're more than halfway through that, and we're virtually sold out for the balance of the period. So there are a lot of organisations that have been very keen to um, uh, take advantage of the funded um, training. The training we're doing is a four-day session from nine till five. Um, so it's, it, it requires uh, the release of staff for a whole day to be able to attend. Um, but most of the training we've been doing has been to a single organisation who've then been able to send along 20 or so staff to do the training. That would be a pretty difficult uh, task for an organisation to release that many staff in one time. Certainly it's a lot easier for the bigger organisations and one organisation that we provided training to last month has got 23 different facilities, aged care residential facilities, and they sent along a, a, um, the, start, the manager from each of those facilities to the training as well as some people from the head office. So that was a major commitment but it was a really very successful session. And the staff that have been trained, are they expected to train other staff internally or are they, or is it uh, entirely uh, falling back on the two organisations in, in Victoria? We're not running a train-the-trainer model, so it's not expected that they'll go back and train others. So we're expecting that if organisations have further training requirements, then they will engage GLHV or TGV to assist them with that. Um, I think that we're waiting to see how that plays out. One of the objections that um, some organisations have has been for the full day of training. So we're working with the um, Health Alliance to develop a condensed version of training, which will be just three hours, and we expect to make that available from about July or August of this year. And we think that that will be particularly attractive to a lot of frontline staff. So... With the um, response from the staff that you've already trained, do they find that it's a, uh, an eye-opening course? or The response has been unbelievably favourable. Um, we've um, had fantastic reviews. We do go through a formal uh, feedback evaluation process at the end of each session, so we've got a good feel for how people have responded. But the engagement that we've had, the questions that we've had, um, has just been um, above our expectations. I think a lot of people have a familiarity with gay and lesbian. They don't have much familiarity with bi, trans and intersex. And I think this training has been very well received because it does talk quite a lot about um, what we call about the bit that's forgotten, the bi, intersex and trans community. And I think it's been helpful that we've got bi and trans people in our training team so we're able to use our lived experience to help talk to some of the issues that um, uh, aged care providers might strike with dealing with um, LGBTI people. Joy. Can you tell us a little bit about Transgender Victoria and how TGV became involved in the, the schemes? And also, who are the organisations uh, that have become involved in the training? Um, I guess there's a range of organisations around Australia. So as I said, there's a different um, provider in each um, state, um, except in Victoria where there's two of us that are sharing the training. Um, we are members of the um, National LGBTI Health Alliance, so the opportunity for us to get involved was through that mechanism. 
Is it broken down into uh, specific areas, or are you training the, the or like is uh, the two organisations splitting the training up uh, into different groups, or it's the same right across the board? No, within Victoria, we're both doing the same coverage of the whole state, and um, to whichever organisations um, that are looking to have the training. So we're trying to share the out-of-Melbourne sessions um, so that we're in different areas, so we're in the same area at different times. Um, and, um, no, there's been good cooperation between ourselves and GLHV in terms of doing the training. Where they have um, filled their capacity ahead of ours, then they've referred people to us, so that's worked well. OK, and the... Um Ageing and aged care strategy. What is it actually focused on? So the strategy was designed to look at how the rights of LGBTI were being addressed in aged care providers. And the strategy identified a huge shortfall in the appropriate treatment of LGBTI people, both in home care and in residential care. So the strategy set out a process to try and address the imbalance that was there and try and, I guess, address basic human rights for LGBTI community. The strategy found that the large majority of LGBTI people were returning to the closet when they went into an aged care, when they were using an aged care service because they felt they would be discriminated against and they would receive inferior service. So the objectives and the goals are to create greater awareness for the residents and where would the training be directed to? Would it be the uh, the actual tra- um, aged care carers or would it be the towards the management of the organisations? So the training package which um, the LGBTI Health Alliance is handling is designed to try and raise the level of awareness within aged care providers, not just resi, uh, residential facilities but also those offering daycare services and home services to, um, I guess, ensure that an LGBTI-inclusive practice was involved um, and was delivered. So the training has primarily, at the moment, been addressed, not addressed, but attended by quite a lot of management people and supervisory staff, um, but also assessment staff and some frontline staff. Um, so anybody that's involved in providing services to the aged care sector are able to attend. I think it is fairly fundamental that if an organisation is going to make a cultural change and deliver an LGBTI-inclusive service, then it needs to be led from the top. So it's very important that it becomes part of the uh, organisation strategy and plans and that there is responsibility and accountability issued for um, that to be delivered. Um, It's quite a journey for an organisation to go through. We think it's going to take at least 10 years for the aged care sector to be providing an LGBTI-inclusive service. There's a lot of staff to be trained. There's a lot of organisations got to work out how they're going to respond to the need to provide an inclusive service. With an ageing community, with... It's a very big workload. I mean, I can't imagine you can train all the staff that that are required within uh, the next 12 months. 
So I, I, I agree with you. I think it is uh, we're waiting to hear from the federal government whether or not they're going to allocate further funds to extend the training. In the absence of that, then a lot of organisations will need to ensure they al- allocate sufficient funds within their own budgeting to provide training um, to their staff on what it means to have an LGBTI-inclusive practice. The organisations, the aged care sector, um, we were delighted, doesn't have an exemption based on religious um, affiliation. So therefore, all aged care facilities who are in receipt of federal funding for their services are required to offer an LGBTI-inclusive service from the 1st of July this year. And we know in working with the accreditation agencies that they will be looking, as they do reviews of uh, accreditation reviews, they'll be looking for LGBTI-inclusive practices being demonstrated within the aged care facilities from 1st of July this year. So what sort of organisations have you been training? Is it uh, just purely public sector or are you getting religious organisations as well coming through? We've... um, provided training to a wide range of organisations. Within Melbourne, a lot of um, of the city councils have their own aged care facilities or they have assessment staff who are assessing the needs for um, access to aged care services with residents within their council area. So we've provided training to many different councils. We've also provided training to a lot of um, private enterprise, many of which have multiple facilities. So often we have people from multiple facilities coming at the same to the same session. Um, many organisations that we've provided training to are also now looking at ongoing training, which they would do on a fee for service. The opportunities for funded service is very limited, so a number will be allocating budget for fee for service. We've also provided, in some cases, training to smaller organisations who have joined with others to make up a, a training group. So. Um, I I think one of the things we're particularly excited is we're expecting about a third of our training to be outside of Melbourne. So we've got a trip coming up in July of this year down to Gippsland. We'll be doing training at Bensdale and Morwell. And then in August we're going to the Grampians and we're going to be providing training in Hamilton and Horsham. We're just finalising a session to take place in Mildura Um, early next year. So it's just fantastic that some of these areas that haven't had a lot of exposure to LGBTI training, um, the funding enables us to get there and uh, take the training to them rather than have them have to come to Melbourne for it. Bring joy to the world. Listen to us everywhere. Download the Joy smartphone app. Now at joy.org.au. And in 2012, the Australian government released its first national LGBTI ageing and aged care strategy. The Australian Department of Health and Ageing provided funding to the National LGBTI Health Alliance to coordinate a national training project to increase awareness within the aged care sector. And Transgender Victoria is one of two Victorian organisations to be awarded funding for the implementation of the training program. What sort of uh, goals do you have uh, with the training package? What areas are you trying to create awareness in? I guess 
the LGBTI training was the first time that TGV had been involved with training other than just transgender and gender diverse training. So for us, it's been great to be actively involved in talking about LGBTI issues, um, particularly in an aged care setting. Um, we've, we've had a great response, and I think we've found a great opportunity for us to particularly focus on the, uh, the bi, trans and intersex sector uh, within that. We find a lot of people are familiar with gay and lesbian issues, but not at all familiar with the, um, the bi, trans and intersex. I think intersex is one of the areas that really is lacking. Being intersex as well as transgender, it's something that people just don't understand. No, I, I quite agree. And um, within the training, the training itself is a mixture of PowerPoint presentation, exercises, videos and case studies. And one of the videos is an extensive interview with Gina Wilson, um, who is uh, an intersex person. And Gina talks extensively about some of the issues faced by the community, but also in her case by her um, uh, elderly mother and the circumstances of, I guess, um, how she's coped, how her mother's coped and how the facility's coped with Gina and her partner visiting her in that facility. So it, it, it's a very good video that raises a lot of issues, not just around intersex, but also dealing with the aged care uh, community. In the aged care community, as a resident and not wanting to be in a closet, how do you exist, coexist with other residents and staff that are not aware of uh, the issues involved? Um, I think it can be very difficult and I think that what it does is cause people not to be, um, I guess, themselves. We encourage with the training that, well I guess we start the training by saying it's not about changing people's beliefs, it's about professional development. And from an um, aged care provider point of view, their professional development should enable them to provide an LGBTI-inclusive um, practice. Many people don't want to disclose that they're LGBTI because of their fears of discrimination and inferior service. And therefore, an LGBTI-inclusive practice might not be about people outing themselves and disclosing that they are a member of one of those communities so much as just being more comfortable in themselves and being able to express themselves rather than um, hide those feelings that they might have. One of the videos that we show in the um, aged care training is of one um, elderly um, gay person being in an aged care setting being visited by his gay partner and the two people feeling that they can't touch and hug each other the way that they used to because they don't want staff or other residents to see them. Um, and I think it's awful that people can't share their love and express that love for each other in a tangible way. And it's those, that's one of the things that we hope this training will enable people to do, to be comfortable to be themselves rather than feel they have to act in a particular way. The aged facilities, they're a fairly close community. One of the issues that I could see is that you can train the staff and, and just being aware of what it's uh, like to be part of the LGBTI community. But what about the other residents and family members of those residents? Is there any way of um, passing on uh, tr information to them how to, 
what to expect or uh, is it something that that's outside of the realm of this study? No, I think it's an important part of this. I think if an organisation's going to provide a safe space for LGBTI seniors, they need to ensure not only that the staff are well informed, but that those staff can then ensure the environment is safe. And part of that is organisations need to develop a strategy and have a business plan which addresses it, but they also need to have a code of conduct which covers the residents and the visitors um, as well as staff. And I think it's going to be an important part as to how operations um, operate, organisations operate, by how well the staff are trained and informed about the responsibilities that they have to ensure that an appropriate code of conduct um, is uh, is worked to. There is a lot of um, trans and gen uh, um, homophobia homophobia within the um, within some of our seniors within our community still, and I think it's very important that examples of homophobia or transphobia are um, addressed at the, at the time that they happen and therefore people are very clear, be they fellow residents, be they visitors, be they family members, that that's an inappropriate way to operate in this facility. And I think that um, that's going to be an important part of how organisations do deliver the, um, the safe environment. I think the training is the starting point. Organisations need to go through a cultural change. They need to move from treating LGBTI as a minority group to a priority group. And I think that that would see a change in emphasis. And then they need to organise all their systems and processes to support that. With roughly 10% of the population being a, a part of the LGBTI community, it's a fairly high percentage that would be in the aged care facilities. So how many of those people would actually be coming out and how many would be hiding? We don't know the answer to that, but we suspect at least 80% are probably in the closet and not being out with their sexuality or their gender identity. So that's a huge proportion that are living in fear of um, being found out um, and we want to change that. We think it's not a satisfactory way for seniors to have to operate. Most LGBTI have suffered a discrimination throughout their life. Many have had troubles coming out of the closet when they were younger and to think they need to go back into the closet as they enter their senior years I think is, um, is a very sad reflection on our society and the acceptance of them as individuals. Joy, 94.9. One of the things that I'm really curious about is what organisations uh, actually uh, get involved in uh, the training? Um, well, I guess there's a range of uh, organisations across Australia. Um, most of them have a long established history of providing gay and lesbian training um, and have progressively moved into LGBTI training in recent years. Um, and many of them are, were able to adapt existing packages, I guess, to extend it to the LGBTI community for ageing. What this project has enabled us to do is to in fact have a consistent package across the country so that any 
aged care providers that are represented in more than one state can know that their staff are getting the same training around the country. And I think that's been particularly helpful and constructive. And uh, are there any aged care, uh, any specific, sorry, are there any GLBTI specific aged care facilities in uh, Victoria and Australia? There aren't any in Australia at this stage, but two organisations have announced plans just in the last year. Um, one is to build a LGBTI aged care retirement home, which it, uh, is being planned for Balan, so just south of Ballarat, and that's going to be in a rural setting, and uh, the initial plans look very exciting for that. A big, a big announcement just last week, uh, last month, was from LifeView, who have a number of different aged care facilities, and they announced that they were allocating $50 million to build a dedicated LGBTI aged care facility in Paran, um, just by the uh, Paran uh, railway station. These would be the first two dedicated facilities in Australia. Uh, there are a number of facilities around the world at the moment, um, particularly in Sweden. So it'll be interesting to see what the demand is for these facilities in Australia. With your experience with the uh, ageing community, do you think that uh, the GLBTI community would actually be drawn to these specific facilities or would they prefer to integrate into the rest of the community? I think it'll be interesting to see that aspect evolve. Um, a number of people I've spoken to would enjoy being in a dedicated facility where they could feel safe, whereas for a lot of others they'd prefer to be in, a, in an integrated facility where LGBTI people are treated appropriately but they don't have to be set aside or living separately from other people. So I think, I think there will be um, uh, those that are attracted to it and those that would pre prefer not to be in that sort of environment. So with uh, a non-specific uh, LGBTI um, aged care facility, the community itself, are they being made aware of what's actually happening around them? or I think facilities are approaching this in a different, uh, different way. One of the great tools that was developed in um, Victoria a few years ago was the Rainbow Tick. And the Rainbow Tick was developed by Gay and Lesbian Health Victoria. And if for those that are interested, they can go to the GLHV website and uh, download the Rainbow Tick checklist. This is a um, audited, independent, independently audited process that organisations can work through, uh, covering um, six major areas of their activity to ensure that they are providing an LGBTI inclusive service. The first organisation to achieve the rainbow tick was the City of Stonington Aged Care People, and uh, they did that just on three years ago. Um, and since then, there's been a number of other organisations that have um, met the requirements of the Rainbow Tick and been awarded the Rainbow Tick. Most of the organisations that we've provided training to um, are either doing the Rainbow Tick journey um, or thinking about it. So I think there's quite a level of awareness across Victoria of the benefits of an organisation having the rainbow tick and using that to demonstrate to the LGBTI community that they've met the requirements of providing an inclusive service. 
This particular um, strategy was put together in 2012, so the funding was uh, under the Labor government. It's now under the Liberal government. You've, you, they haven't cut the funding as yet, but they haven't extended it any further. It, do you think that the government thinks of uh, the LGBTI community as uh, a minority or a priority? Um, unknown. I think we were, we were delighted with the support that the previous federal lo- Labor government gave towards the developing the strategy and then pre- setting aside funding for the um, training which we're now doing. The community continues to work with the federal government um, today to try and ensure that the needs of the community for ongoing training are recognised and um, we are yet to hear what plans they have, but from our point of view, we think the training needs to continue to it for at least 10 years, and it will be disappointing if the federal government doesn't place priority on supporting that through providing further funding for the training. How, do, how does the government actually expect the strategy to continue, or how does it expect it to spread if there isn't the funding there? Oh, that's a good question. We don't know. Um, Our fear will be that it will be a much slower process. I guess one of the things that we are pleased about is that the um, aged care accrediting agency will start to include LGBTI-inclusive questions when it visits sites from 1st of July this year. So I guess that will start to put the pressure on organisations to allocate funds for training in the event um, that the government doesn't provide those funds. So it will be up to each aged care provider, be they home care, day care or residential care, to demonstrate to the accrediting agency that their processes are appropriate for inclusion of LGBTI. How many accrediting agencies are there? There'd be quite a few be spread out across state, you know, the state as in councils and other organisations. No, with the accrediting agency, there is a single body for Australia and it does have um, organisations in each state and territory to actually um, do the reviews uh, for the sites in those centres. So we're working with the federal um, accrediting agency to... Um, develop the appropriate questions that they can consider when they're reviewing whether or not an agency's um, meeting the standards which have been set. So um, there is a coordinated approach to that um, accreditation review which is done on a national basis. And we've just received a message from uh, one of our listeners. A great in... uh, in Sorry. A great initiative run by Transgender Victoria. Great to see LGBTI uh, training rolled out across the sector. Jody. So, and uh, I know Jody. she's part of ANECTO and uh, they're actually amazing advocates for the LGBTI community. No, they are, and we're looking forward to um, running some training with them um, starting this month and on an ongoing basis. But they are very supportive and we think it's fantastic. There are a number of organisations in Melbourne and across Victoria who are supportive and we hope that uh, their peers will follow their lead. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. 
Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.